Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 311. And I am here alongside a past guest of Perpetual Traffic, one that Man, the episode that he did was one of our now most popular episodes, and apparently people liked what he had to say, not only because he's talked wicked fast, but he's wicked smart, and he brings a lot to the table here at Perpetual Traffic, and we only invite smart people onto this show, really, and I think he falls right in the middle of that. Really happy to have Qasem Aslam. I had to practice his name like 20 times last night before I went to bed to make sure that I said it right. I think I kind of got it right, but welcome back to Perpetual Traffic, Qasem. Ralph, super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. So uh, anyway, so Qasem, that we're just going to make sure, I'm, uh, as in awesome. So in case anybody uh, needs to spell that or at least uh, pronounce it on their own, that's how we're going with it. And like you said, Aslam, last name, super important to get the name of the of the guest right on the show. But tell people a little bit about if they hadn't listened to the episode that uh, we did a few weeks back. What you do, kind of what your claim to fame is, obviously you're pretty well involved with the DM crowd. Give us a little bit of a high level, who is Cossum? Yeah, I uh, have a Google Ads agency called Solutions 8. We've got a little bit in the way of badges and gold stars, just in terms of some of the work we've done. So, you know, we created the, the training and education for, for DM around Google Ads. Pedro Adeo, we, we, we created his course. Uh, high level, the CRM, we did their Google ads training. So if you've heard of us, it's probably through one of those conduits. I'm also the traffic coach for the the elite coaching program at Digital Marketer. There's four coaches in total, and I'm the guy they plucked out of obscurity to go lead the traffic charge. And so those poor people have to get bored to death by me once a week. Those poor people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's painful. <laughs> so if you're a perpetual traffic listener for any period of time, you're probably pretty familiar with, with you, if, especially if they have any sort of Google level interest. And I think uh, it's one of the cool things about you being on the show here is like, there's, you know, we've pretty much got what 80, 90, 90 plus percent of the internet covered. If you sort of think about between Facebook, you know, and Instagram ads, which is kind of what we're known for, although that's changing a bit. Uh, And then you got you on the Google side, we've pretty much got the traffic side covered if you wanted to do anything digital wouldn't you agree no we've checked the boxes for sure i I, you know it's cool because it's kind of a yin and yang you know like we're the the archetypal warring brothers in a way and it's it's nifty to have us both on a call because you're going to get you know kind of the inbound and outbound perspective and each utility is good for different things but also teaches you different things and so i like that we have that usually it's like one or the other but rarely both right right well i mean the show is obviously about traffic but today we're really talking about This survey that we did way back in episode 300, and we went through those results. 
if you recall back on episode 300, and we'll leave links in the show notes here, obviously for you, is uh, we had you, the perpetual traffic listener, over the course of the last month or two, maybe three months at this point, is tell us what your biggest concerns are, what your biggest problems are in your business. Like, why are you listening to perpetual traffic? What is the thing that you want to solve in your business today? And we got, you know, two, 300, actually, I think it's over 300 now. We've got data for over 200 responders who actually did fill out the survey and got the uh, the goodie that we gave away, which was our troubleshooting tactical, our, our tactical troubleshooting checklist from tier 11, which is sort of in line with what we're going to be talking about here today. But one of the big things that came through in all those answers is there's an element to one thing that sort of stood out, I think, for both of us. We were going back through those answers, and, and you did a pretty in-depth analysis of this, is people want, first off, to grow and scale, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why you hire perpetual traffic as, as a job to be done, so to speak, that you're coming to this show because you want to grow and scale, and traffic is a way in which to do that. But is it the full story? Yes, traffic obviously is important, but having an offer that converts is obviously important as well. Having all those things in place. But even so, as you scale and grow, one of the big things I think that people kind of forget, especially when they become entrepreneurs at first, is they actually have to duplicate themselves. They have to replicate themselves and then ultimately hire people to do the jobs that they at one point did. But how do you know that people are actually doing those jobs in the right way? And that comes back to one of the big themes through that entire survey is checklists, is processes, is SOPs. And I know it's a big thing for you at Solutions 8. Obviously, it's a big thing here for us over at Tier 11. But it was a theme that was loud and clear for all of us. And I, I think, you know, as business owners, as agency owners, it's one of the things that people really struggle with. And I know you guys have been able to really dial it in at your agency, and we've certainly done it on our end as well. Yeah, well, you know, you and I talked a little bit prior to this about, I think the prowess of an agency stems from two things, your processes and your people. And outside of those two things, an agency doesn't really have much to offer. So if you have really good people and you have really good processes, I think you're going to be able to do a really good job. And for, you know, if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not an agency, I'm a business owner. I think this is just as applicable to you, if not maybe more so, because the average agency probably already has, you know, even if they're, they're, they're loosely defined, they probably have processes in place. But if you're doing, playing the DIY game, if you're doing this yourself, or if you plan on going and hiring a freelancer, you know, whoever to do it for you, you need to be able to inspect what you expect. You can't just, you know, say, hey, run my ads, please go run Facebook you know, God bless you. Come back to me when I have money. You, you, have, to, you have to be able to, to make sure that along the way, they're checking the boxes that need to be checked. And so making sure that those systems and processes are in place, I think is, I think is important for everybody. Did I just overstep there, Ralph? Would you agree, disagree? I 100% agree. I mean, I think the biggest thing with, with a lot of companies and whether it's an agency, obviously we've got a fair amount of agency owners, probably about half the people who filled out the survey are agency owners, which is, which is fine. Like that's, that's the type of listener that we tend to attract. A digital marketer obviously has a very strong agency presence by serving agencies. You know, <laughs> the host of the show is an agency owner. You're an agency owner. So it makes sense. But 
processes and systems aren't agency specific. It's as you are growing out a team, whether it's building traffic or whether you're doing it on your own as a CEO or as a founder, or as a business owner, or as a CMO, like you eventually want somebody to be able to do it for you or to have a team of people to do it for you. Some people hire agencies to do that, or they have internal people that they hire. And then those systems that they have in place end up helping them run the ads or do whatever the process is for businesses in order to uh, scale and grow. Because at the end of the day, like scaling and growing is what a business really does want to do and obviously deliver value along the way to keep those customers and you know to have them coming back for more each and every time. The point is, is systems and processes are a big, big part of the success of any business, whether or not it's an agency or otherwise. But I think a lot of business owners really struggle with it. And it's a, it's a theme that I think is clear throughout the entire survey. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's something that you can start to embed in your culture too. You know, either you personally, if you're a solopreneur, or, you know, your, your, your folks, if you have a team, but documenting what it is that you're doing, that's, that's something that can be taught. And we, we do something internally that I think is pretty cool. Anytime a member of our team is undertaking a brand new task, you know, like let's say we just started using a new piece of software for data feed management or whatever, just as an example, that person records themselves performing the task. So we use Loom, which, you know, pro tip, I'm not an affiliate, but I love that little piece of software. It's amazing. It allows for really seamless screen recording and they'll record themselves walking through the task and, you know, kind of narrating the task as they go. And what's nice about that is it doesn't take much longer than it would for them to just do it standalone. And then we lob that over at our, at our writing team and their sole job is to kind of distill the value from that and then build the step one, step two, step three, step four. And, and bam, you have the skeleton the beginnings of that process. And of course, there's you know additional things that you can add and best practices and whatever. But if you're afraid of process development, start there. Go pick the one thing that you're doing over and over and over and over and over again, record yourself doing it. And then, I mean, honestly, you could transcribe it yourself or have somebody else do it, but but that's that's the beginning. And I think that, that that's something that can be built upon. Yeah, I, I think that the idea of a business owner putting processes in place in order to have other people do the tasks that they currently do is an onerous task. It's like an, it's an onerous idea because it's just intimidating. I think for a lot of business owners, like where the hell do I start? Mm. I have all these things in my head. How do I teach other people to do them? I can't do one-on-ones for everyone. Well, you know, the journey of a thousand steps begins, you know, with the first step. And the point is that what you have to do first is start documenting. And, whether it's video. And for us, when we first started, it was everything that I would do for running a Facebook ad campaign in this, this case, going back to, you know, 2013, 14, 15, I would just document it in, you know, either a PDF or a word document now, Google drive, Google docs, and just each individual time that I would do that task, I would go back to that list and refine it and make it better. So these were repeatable things like how to set up a campaign I would just document it, just writing it in as I actually did it, step by step by step. Then we started doing videos, just like what you're saying. Really smart by, you know, and a pro tip obviously is doing a video and having your writing team transcribe it with screenshots, that kind of thing. What I really realized is that if I was doing it all, I was limiting myself and limiting our ability to be able to scale and grow. So as I started to hire more people, I would have them create those processes, do the videos on their own, do do the writing on their own. So everyone who came in, what part of their overall 
goal as an employee of Chair 11 was processes, creation of processes, creation of systems, and refining them and making sure that they're updated so that the jobs that they're doing today can be done by you know, the next person that maybe, you know, in the case of like a media buyer, they'll have an ads manager or maybe sort of an intern that's working with them that's doing the tasks that they used to do. So it's a never-ending process of improvement, but it's also something that you can just start doing today. And with the first step is just simple documentation, whether it's video, whether it's writing it down, whether it's writing it down on a sheet and then transposing it later on, having your VA do it. The point is that's how you get it done. And that's how you take that first step. When you said something that I think is really brilliant there, that is, it's a mistake that we've made before. And I, I hate to admit how often, but if you don't keep your processes up to date, they will atrophy and die. The very first time an employee goes to a process and finds out that what's documented isn't, isn't the approach, they're not only going to abandon that process, but now there's been a fracture. Like they, they don't trust the remainder of your processes. So be militant in making sure that people are actually using them. And if you ever run into an issue where, hey, this isn't applicable anymore, which happens all the time, you know, Facebook, what do, what do they make like 200 changes to their dashboard every month or something insane, you know, yeah. buttons move, the, yeah. the way things approach change or whatever. So just going back and, and spending the time necessary to update that ends up, I think, paying dividends to a significant degree. Yeah, for sure. So how do you guys do it? Do you have sort of a, a standing order that says, well, you know, if you're doing a specific task, then you need to update the SOP that goes along with it. How do you do it in practice? I mean, I think it's it's great that we're saying this and it's important to do that. Is it being done in practice, especially with all the changes that happen in the platforms that we primarily live and reside in? I've got three answers that and stop me when I start to bore the world. The first one is I've got, I call them practicals. So like if you've got a checklist and, and, and real quick, another pro tip, if you haven't read the checklist manifesto, go snap that up. It's, mm. it's a really quick read, but it's amazing. And it will help you with this whole paradigm of, you know, building processes. So we kind of base our processes off of that structure that he presents, which is the simpler, the better. And I like to embed practicals throughout. And what that means is uh, to give an example, inside of Google ads, you can add a negative keyword. Um, to a campaign that will show up in change history. And it'll say, oh, Ralph added this search term, you know, on, on June 15th or whatever. Well, when you're building out the campaigns or when you're managing the campaigns, one of the tasks is add this coded negative keyword to the campaign. It's not applicable to the campaign. We, we, we structure it so that it will have no impact, but I get to go back anytime I want and I get to see, did you actually do the thing? And mm -hmm. so that, that practical, which I don't know if that's a good enough term or not, that's just what's in my head. Uh, that lets me kind of reconcile some of the tasks. And so throughout your processes, you don't want to make them cumbersome, but you want little teeny tiny honeypots where you can tell, okay, somebody actually did this because, you know, they timestamped this. Or the other thing we'll do, we do this with when we were still in the web space, we were building landing pages for, for paid traffic. Uh, we would have the person who built the landing page record themselves, walk through the QA checklist. And if mm -hmm. the recording didn't exist, nobody would sign off on it. And that way, if anything was wrong, you'd go back through that checklist and back through the recording and you'd be able to see that they did it. So I think practicals are really important for enforcement. The other thing that I think is really worth doing is we have bounties. So we've got an update bounty and it's not significant. You know, I mean, it's, it, you, you can get like a buck to five bucks, depending on what it is that you identify. But if you find something that's out of date and you update it, then mm -hmm. you ship it off to us and you're going to get you're going to get something, you know, it's like, Hey, here's a Starbucks gift card or here's a whatever. We haven't formalized it per se. So it's not, you know, ad hoc. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. if somebody sends me an update, everybody knows like, okay, we're, we're sort of seeking these out. They're, they're, they're on the way. And, and then I think the most important 
piece of all of this is I have found that when people are involved in creating the process, they're far more likely to their stakeholders and they're far more likely to, to keep them up. So instead of like, you know, all the process is coming from the top down and, you know, we just dictate what it is that you do involving in new, new staff members as well, but involving people in the creation kind of helps, uh, helps seed ownership in their minds. And now people are just more likely to want to update them because they want to update them and, and, you know, keep it correct. Yeah. I think um, the, the, the theory of leadership and management by inclusion is a really powerful one when you do have something like this. And you, you, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm not a hugely process driven person. Like for me, it was a struggle to do these things. I knew I had to do them after reading Atul Gawande's book, you know, many, many, many times. And if you haven't read it, like, uh, like Kasim said, you definitely should go out and read it. It's one of the best business books out there because you might be listening to the show right now and saying, well, that's great. Like those guys created that because it's Google and Facebook and, and, but my, my process for my company, it's too complex. I can't do that. Well, that's what I actually thought. I remember when I was, I was in war room way back when, and somebody told me a very well-known digital marketing expert said, your business is impossible to scale because you can't possibly get all the stuff that you know in your head at this point about Facebook ads out and teach that to anyone. Like you just can't do it. It's impossible to scale. You're going to be a single, you know, solopreneur for your entire career, which was one of the motivations, obviously, to read the book and to scale and grow. And, you know, now we have a team of, you know, 50 plus people in 20 some odd countries, six continents, you name it. The point was, is like, it started with that, just that first thing of me writing things down and documenting. But before I actually started doing that, I read this book and I said, okay, well, I know it's going to be like this big thing I'm going to have to do. And I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I read the book. And the first example he uses is like how a skyscraper is built. Mm. Like that's a pretty complex process. There's, you know, thousands of people doing all kinds of different jobs and, you know, all with competing interests. Like the HVAC guy has to work alongside the electrical guy and the steel, the guy who hangs the steel, well, not steel, like the iron, you know, the iron workers got to work with like with the structural engineers and all these other sorts of things. Incredibly complex. How is a skyscraper built? It's built by a checklist, built by a system, a process. A lot of it's computer driven. So I was like, all right, well, that pretty good example. Then I went into like the Atul Gawande is actually as a, as a doctor here in the Boston area, surgeries are done that way. Like open heart surgeries, like that's pretty complex, you know, thoracic surgeries where you got like the guy's chest wide open. I used to sit in these, believe it or not, way back when 20 years ago in the pharma industry, which I actually enjoyed enormously before I started doing this. The point is, is like, these are enormously complex tasks that are done in essence through simple checklists, but then backed up by pretty complex SOPs. And that's how we created everything. We created sort of this massive, uh, you know, step by step by step. But then at the end of each one is really a simple checklist. Did you do this, 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 you know, in your case, maybe it's negative keyword. Maybe it's for us. It's like, does your, does your ad set have a budget that will allow for 50 conversions per week, that kind of thing. So each one of those steps and then the explanation of those steps links back to the actual step-by-step of each one of those 
pieces of the checklist, but you try and create things that are super simple so that you can have everyone check off on it and then ultimately create like sustainable, duplicable value for customers, which, you know, when you're running, you know, millions of dollars of ads and, you know, have hundreds of customers like you guys do, it's like, it's pretty important to have that quality control in there. And it all starts with the SOPs and the checklist. When it's, you know, from a risk mitigation standpoint, it's critical, but it's also really helpful. We've been in some situations where there's a fire and everybody's pointing fingers. And it's really nice to be able to go back and say, no, we adjusted the budget according to the list. We don't change the client budget without the written confirmation that happened here. Here's the sign off. Here's the checklist. Here's the screenshot. And now I get to take all of this and say, this, this was not, you know, this was the, where we are and it puts you in really defensible situations and scenarios. So, you know, side note, it, it, they protect you as well. They don't just guide. It's like a lag and a lead. Um, Mm. There's, there's buttressing to the work that you're being done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, it's a no, it's a no blame game at that point. I mean, you're like, you can point right back to it. Right. It's a, man, it's a learning, you know, it's a learning tool too, because I mean, you're going to miss, like people are fallible. Like it's just, nobody's going to follow every single checklist perfectly, but you can always go back to what I would always do is like, if I would have, especially at sort of like a smaller level of our agency, when we had a, a frontline person asking me how to do something, well, I'm doing a million different things at that point. So I'm like, well, you know, I can always point back to, well, go find the checklist, go find, well, what does the SOP say? So it becomes a management tool for me so that I'm not running around doing all these individual training tasks. And for me, the way that I would manage that is absolutely, I would manage it by inclusion, have people on your team, create the checklist, create the SOPs. They feel ownership of it. Super important. They feel part of the process incorporated into your job description. And we can talk about hiring and all that sort of stuff, maybe in a later episode. The point is, is like, there's that. But then the second part of it is how do you get back your time as a business owner? And I know everybody who filled out this survey is struggling with this big time. Nobody said it specifically, but I know all the theme around here is that, you know, we need systems, we need ways in which to duplicate my own efforts. And checklists, SOPs, processes are a way for you to actually outsource your own brain to a certain degree so that you're not attending to every little fire. And you're, you know, somebody asks you a question and we have a sort of this expression here at my house, Cossum, uh, which is like, if somebody asks a stupid question, want me to Google that for you? Well, <laughs> you know, this was like the SOP is like, well, what does the SOP say? Like, if I don't know, uh, how do you set up a campaign, you know, for, uh, you know, CBO. Well, I don't know. Go, go find the checklist, go find the SOP. And what I would typically do is I would say, all right, go find the checklist, do that specifically. And then I will come in for whatever it is, the QC, which I no longer do. I have like our, our directors of media buying doing that sort of stuff. So I would have them do the task. I wouldn't have to show them yet again, because we have a set way of doing it. But before it goes live, just to make sure that it's done, I'll go through and make sure that it is done, but I won't correct any mistakes. What I will do is I will say, all right, you did this. This looks great. This looks great. You know, you got to check your UTMs here. Some of those are a little bit crazy, especially in this ad set. Not doing it, not changing it. Once again, you're, this, is like, this is a management and a leadership tool that we've used very effectively. And if you think about like our team is completely virtual. I know, you know, the majority of your team is is virtual, if not all of it. Everybody. Um, everyone. So same sort of thing. 
It's like, how do you manage virtual teams? Well, you try to empower them to do the best work they can possibly do, but you also need to think about this a little bit differently. You want them to be the ones that create you know, the, the campaigns in this case, but also the ones that fix their own mistakes and figure out a better way of doing it by using those checklists and those SOPs as the guiding light. And it saves you as a business owner a tremendous amount of time. I can't tell you how much time I started getting back as soon as I started incorporating this into my business. It's been a game changer. Yeah, same here. And you know what's interesting about what you just said too is the short-sighted way to think about some of these tasks is, well, it would just be faster for me to do it myself than, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if somebody's going to go build it and then I have to go QC it and then I have to come back and say, hey, I'm not going to do this for you, but look at A, B, C, and D. And, and, and the technician in you and a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we're made up of, of different things, right? There's a, a formula to entrepreneurism and, and one piece of all of us is the technician, the one that just wants to do the work. The technician in you is going to want to step in and fix it. The problem with it is it's faster for that particular project, but then there's 10, 100, 100,000 projects from today that that person could have taken off of your plate that now you've disempowered them from being able to do, as opposed to doing exactly what Ralph just said, which is, hey, pump the brakes, spend the time, let them learn. And, you know, I know it costs you another, whatever it is, increments of time that it wouldn't have cost you otherwise, but you'll never have to do that again. Yes. It's so true. The one caveat to that, and I always sort of say this internally at tier 11 is, if we're in the middle of a product launch or something that time is of the essence, and if we wait another hour, like, you know, my, that team person might be in, you know, on the West Coast and they might not see it for another three hours. If thousands of dollars are being spent every single minute, if I see a problem, I'm going to fix it. Sure. But in most cases, and, you know, I would say in 99% of cases, yes, actually not doing the work will afford you the luxury of getting that time back later. Mm. It's an investment now relying on your systems and your processes by instructing people, okay, use the SOP, put it together, come back to me when when it's done, I'll take a look, but I'm not going to go through and correct all your mistakes. I'll show you where you made mistakes. I'll tell you where you did it right. It's easier. You can. The argument could be made exactly what you said. It's like, I'll do it right now. And I'll just save myself time. But what about the next time when they do it? The next time, the next time, the next time. What you're doing now is investing a little bit more time to save you, you know, a, a, a 10x savings of time, probably just estimating that, you know, exponential, I think is probably a better word for it, exponential amount of time later on down the line and over the course of time. So, and I think about like, you know, as you scaled up your agency, like there's certain things you don't do anymore. Imagine if you were still doing them. Like 10 years ago, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. So it's like, that's the exponential argument for creating systems in a way. Mm. Well, and, and the systems are, the whole world is obsessed with automation, right? Like everybody's like, oh, I'm going to automate everything. And there's all these automation tools. And, and the interesting thing about the automation, there's a quote, I think it's Bill Gates. You'll know, Ralph, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But he says that automation applied to an inefficient system just amplifies the inefficiency. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting about building your processes is if you want to automate anything, you have to have the process first. Right. And in a perfect world, that process is vetted. Because if you build the process and then go automate it, well, all the things that are going to break are going to break just faster. But if you have a vetted process that you've walked through a bunch of times and then you start automating components of it, now you're automating something that you know will work. 
And so, and I realize that's a little bit of a tangent. We're not talking about automation. We're talking about systems and processes, but it just occurred to me as we were talking about, you know, increasing efficiency, scale, et cetera. Process documentation is the very first step on that journey. And I, I think that's almost a ubiquitous truth. You know, without it, you almost don't even have like a, a productized service. You're just sort of like, oh, what do you want to do today? You know, what, right. what do you want right. to pay me money for? Yeah. And it's interesting you say that term, a productized service. Like when we started this company, I said, I want a, this, we're in the service-based business, but I don't want everything to be completely customized. I mm -hmm. want there to be standardization and standardization, you know, when you bring it back to it is a product. Like we offer very few agency products, like what we do, we keep it really simple. So, and because of that, it's very, it's very well known. Like where is the scope of work? Where does it end? Where does it begin now? The argument could also be made like we're adding to those service offerings. So we're going to create more complexity, which means we need, you know, more processes. The point is, is like a productized service offering. Think about how you create these systems by almost creating it as a product. And that's why we call customers, customers, as opposed to customers, clients, because mm. clients to me symbolizes a lot of customization, a lot of potentially in our industry, a tremendous amount of scope creep, right? So like, do we, you know, uh, are we not only doing their advertising, but we're also doing all these other sorts of things? Like, where does it end? Are we going to start building their websites? Well, you know, we're actually offering now services that do that. So, but within that product, yes, it's within that scope. So when you think about systems, think about it as you're productizing what it is that you do as much as possible. And I must think about it like, when Henry Ford created the Model T through mass production, like that was a productized service offering. It was one Model T, one color, mm -hmm. right? But he had all the systems down so perfectly. And that's how I always sort of envisioned our service as an agency at Tier 11. And it all started back with processes. And I'm sure Henry Ford had checklists and processes for everything that went into the Model T. I don't know if that for a fact, but chances are he probably did. Oh, he had to have. When I think, you know, something you just said, I know Tier 11 is expanding, right? So you're, you're offering a, a broader suite of services. You're going, I don't want to say full funnel because those aren't the words you gave me, but beyond the click. I think that's a luxury that you were allotted because you had the SOPs in place. You know, Ford had started right. with a bunch of different cars with a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different functionality, he never would have gotten to a position of where he could have had, you know, let's add the truck, let's add the SUV, let's add, you know what I mean? Like start to start to expand beyond. So I think expansion is fine, but you want to start small. And then when you're expanding, you're now expanding on a, on a, a sound foundation and yeah. you're actually building on something that, you know, that, that can, that can bear the weight. Uh, and I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, now, you know, you look at Ford, it's not, a Model T. I mean, I don't know how many, you know, how many models they have. Dozens. Now they're coming out with all electric. Like, but it started very simply. And I think as a business owner, you don't have to start with the Ford of today. Start with the Ford way back, you know, 1920s. I think it was the 1920s. I'm probably going to mix up my dates. Somebody's going to tell me differently here. But anyway, whenever that was, the point is, is they started very simple. And I think that, like, to your point, and I think Atul Gawande in the book actually really talks about, like, start simple and then expand out and, you know, perfect the most important systems that you have first. With a Google ads agency, there's probably an 80-20 there, you okay. know? 
There's their Pareto's laws in there somewhere. It's like, this is the stuff that's super, super important. And those are the SOPs we're going to use over and over and over again. And they're the ones that need to be refined and updated constantly in order to mitigate any sort of, you know, client issues or performance issues that, that come about. You know, so you just reminded me of this. I didn't remember this until we just, had, you know, the conversation sort of reminded me that we used to have one person doing the client relation and the the management. So we call those the client manager and the specialist now, but we had one person doing the client management and specialist role. And when we defined the processes, it was the, it was the systems. It was that definition that really drew kind of a stark comparison between the two tasks. And we (laughs) really quickly realized not only there's, there's a lot of work here, but it's two different temperaments. You know, there's like right brain sort of go out there, shake hands, kiss babies. And then there's the left brain nocturnal cave dwelling over caffeinated, doesn't want to talk to humans type of whatever. And having that process definition is what made it easy for us to, to separate those two. So, you know, we, we hire against the processes, we train against the process, we fire against the process. It's like, Hey, are you doing your job? And if not, it's, it helps diagnose issues. We had a thing where some of our campaigns were running late, specifically in e-com and we couldn't figure out exactly what was going on. So I just went back and I looked at the checklist and you could see where the the delays began and it was with the client onboarding it was like mm. well the client's not getting us the onboarding form in time and that you know does this domino effect and so we get to reorganize the way that we do onboarding so that onboarding has to happen before we do anything and it solved our our delay but we wouldn't have had that if it wasn't documented and we weren't tracking it along the way right you find the weak points yep you find where it is and it's usually it's a process weak point all right well we're giving it to them but there's no follow-up like we might get it in the next day, but we might get it seven days from now. Well, if you get it the next day, that's great. But like, what's the what's the checkpoint there in order to make sure that it's done expediently? That's a process question. Yep. Like all you need to do is just revamp that process or update it in order to make sure that that happens and everything stays on on its timeline. So super important here. Um, and I think we've we've beaten this one into the, <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> We're obviously big fans of this. Like for me, I'm not a fan, like I'm not a systems, I'm not an operations kind of guy. I'm more of like the visionary type, I suppose, but maybe not quite as much integrator. So this was painful for me. Mm. I hated doing this, but I also realized it was so necessary for scale and also to finally like throw it back in that guy's face who said that I could never scale my business. But anyway, that's just a sort of personal vendetta. But anyway, but like if you're a process person, you'll be like listening to this episode saying, this is great. But for some of you, eh, you know, if you're more creative, more advertising, like sort of the way that I am, this is at least maybe a kick in the pants for you to start doing it now, because it's the thing that's going to help you with scale. And, it, you know, 200, 300 responses, everybody wants to grow and scale. And so part of that is having this kind of stuff in place, recognizing it's an issue, Right. You know, I have a problem. I do not have processes and then doing something about it, taking that first step. And I think we've given you some good tips here on how to do that. It begs the question, however, which is maybe beyond the scope of this particular show, Cossum, is like, do you do processes first or do you hire people first or do you do them at the same time? Because when you're hiring people, You need processes and SOPs in order for them to do the job right. You need training. Training is, in essence, a process, right? So maybe we'll address that one in uh, next week's show just to kind of throw out a little open loop. I am an advertiser after all, so open loops are are my thing. 
What's, what's your initial thought on that? Just to tease uh, the perpetual traffic listener. <laughs> tease the conversation. I would say I would prefer, I think it's a temperament thing. Everybody's different. I prefer to have a skeleton of the process in place. And then when I hire, it's the hiree that begins to kind of help me apply, you know, flesh and muscle and fashion, skin and all that good stuff and make it like its own entity. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're a little bit more on the process side than I am. I'll, uh, I'll be interested to, uh, to discuss that with you in next week's show. <laughs> yeah. We'll see where we land. The brawl is on No, But anyway, I mean, the point is, is this is really, is a, is a huge, huge step. And, and, you know, as a business owner, you're probably doing too much right now. And like I said before, and, you know, at least taking a, a, you know, first step towards a solution of that. And it's a clear need based upon uh, you, the perpetual traffic listener, what you filled out in that survey. So I appreciate everyone who has filled out that survey and uh, got that awesome tactical troubleshooting checklist from us. And hopefully that's helping you with your Facebook and Instagram ads. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Obviously, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to continue on with uh, part two of this in the in the hiring side of the equation. Anything to add here? Final words of wisdom from a systems guy who's been able to build out a pretty badass agency to the uh, the PT crowd here. Yeah, there's a quote by Jocko Willink who I love. Do you like Jocko, Ralph? Love him. Yeah, so he's he's amazing. Retired Navy SEAL, just like a total total rock star. And Jocko says that discipline equals freedom. And, and I want that specifically for my creative types. Like if you're out there going, I don't like processes because it puts me in a box and it's going to limit me and it's going to inhibit my ability to buy. That's, that's, that's crap. The, the process, the SOP is actually going to protect your time and it's going to free you up to go do the expansive, creative, fun stuff that you want to do. So the discipline of the process equals freedom. We're going to borrow from Jocko today. How was, how was that? I love that. I love it. We're big fans of... Uh, Extreme Ownership, as I recall, yeah. was the big book. And then he did it with uh, one of his buddies for a second book. So definitely great leadership. It's actually, it's on our leadership team, like must read books. Nice. So that's how much we love it. So you don't get, you don't, you're, you don't want your team to be like task saturated, which is one of my favorite quotes from, I use that all the time, task saturated, meaning overwhelmed, like processes and doing this you know, create structure What within that structure, there's a tremendous amount that you can actually have individual freedom and creativity among it. But without that, you're just going to have sort of a disorganized mess and not really be able to scale and grow your business, which is uh, one of the reasons why you're all listening to this show here. For this week's uh, show notes, everything that we talked about, all the resources that we mentioned, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 311, Qasem Aslam. Thanks for bringing it here today, buddy. Appreciate having you back on PT. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Thanks for having me, bro. You bet. Till next week, everybody. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.